0: Well, take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 14 and you can be seated for just a moment. It's a thrill to be on campus here at Lancaster Baptist Church and West Coast Baptist College. And uh, we served, I served as an associate pastor with my wife and children for eight years in Marino Valley, uh, California, just about an hour or so from here. And then 17 years ago, God moved us to just a, a suburb of Mobile and started the Lighthouse Baptist Church there, and so it's always a thrill to be back. We have graduates uh, from West Coast on our staff, and have had students and graduates from our church, and uh, have been helped by the ministry of Dr. Chapel. Want to express appreciation to him for uh, the invitation to come, and Dr. Getch and Dr. Rasmussen. And so uh, we're going to look at Luke chapter 14 this morning, and. Uh, really from verse 25 to the end of the chapter. This is the time in Jesus' ministry where things begin to rapidly change. They change in the kind of messages that Jesus preaches and teaches to those who come to hear him. They change in that beginning with this lesson that we're going to look at, uh, He uh, really fewer and fewer people begin to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. The closer Jesus gets to the cross, uh, the more commitment, the higher the level of commitment was required from his followers and therefore fewer and fewer were willing to make that commitment. So from here on, Jesus goes from having great multitudes following him and hearing him. just having handfuls. In fact, think about the the book of uh, Luke. In Luke chapter 9, we have the feeding of the 5,000 men, not including the women and the children. And then even in verse 25 of Luke chapter 14, we see he begins with great multitudes that were here to hear him. But after Luke 14, the crowds begin to dwindle and much of it is because of the lesson, the message that we're going to see today. So much so that at the cross, There were just a few. Uh, And after the Lord Jesus was uh, resurrected bodily from the grave and after 40 days, he ascended. Right before he ascended, uh, the disciples were gathered in an upper, upper room and they gathered everyone that would possibly claim the name of Christ. And they looked around and there weren't thousands of them. There were 120 of them. The truth is not everyone is going to be a committed disciple. And beginning in Luke 14, Jesus quit uh, giving out meals. Uh, He began to teach them the cost of discipleship and the crowds that came maybe for the food or to see uh, the show weren't interested in actually having to be committed to his program of discipleship. Even in Bible-believing churches uh, like ours, like this one, and like ours uh, there in Mobile, uh, there will be far more casual observers than there will be disciples. And the reason is this thing called commitment. Reminds me of a story I heard about the hen and the hog in the barnyard they heard about the church was going to have a campaign to feed the hungry and i know you do things like that we do at thanksgiving in our place we feed hundreds of families and try to be a blessing in that way Uh, but uh, they they wanted to know they, they were thinking about how they could be involved, how they could be engaged. And by the way, that ought to be our first thought whenever our church is in, involved in a campaign of any kind, whether it's evangelistic, whether it's soul winning, whether it's a building campaign. Our first dynamic ought to be how can I get involved? What can I do? And that's what this hog and hen uh, were thinking about. Uh, the hen said to the hog, I've got it, I know how we can help. He said, we'll feed, we'll provide the eggs and the bacon uh, for the food to feed the hungry. And the hog thought about it for a minute. And he said to the hen, the only problem with your plan is, for you, it just takes a minor contribution. The egg. Folks, it's not near as funny if I have to explain the joke to you. (laughs) He said, for me, it takes total commitment. We know where bacon comes from, so all right, let's let's pray. It'll get better from here. Let's get into the message, Luke chapter fourteen. We'll read verse twenty five uh, after we pray. Father, help us this morning, uh, Lord, as we look at uh, Jesus' discipleship program, as we look at uh, Lord this uh, dynamic message that He gave that really changed the course of those that followed him. I pray you'll help us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. In verses 25 through 35, Jesus gives the crowd of casual observers a taste of true discipleship. And he does it with five illustrations that each take a lesson about discipleship. And before the message, we're gonna hone in on one of those this morning. But before the message, let me give you just a little example of the five. Uh, He begins to teach them what it means to be his disciple. Look at verse 26. The first one is there. He said, if any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own. Life also, he cannot be my disciple. And so his first illustration was that of family and how that our commitment to the Lord Jesus had to be greater. In verse 27, he used the illustration of carrying and bearing our cross. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Now we're going to come back to verses 28 and verse number 30. But in verse 31 through 33, he uses the illustration of a king leading his armies into battle. Look there, he says, or what king going to make war against another king sitteth not down first and consulteth whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him that cometh against him with 20,000 or else while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an embassage and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be, of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. And in that one, the lesson was a total submission Uh, to the will of the king. And then verse 34, he uses the illustration of salt. Salt is good, but if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is neither fit for the land nor yet for the dunghill, but men cast it out. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. We've heard many messages on the fact that we're the salt of the earth And yet Jesus gave that in context of discipleship. Now, we're going to look at verses 28 through 30. So let's stand together, if you would, and let's read. I'll read, you follow along. In verse 28, he says this, For which of you intending to build a tower? Now, I want to say this to you, to the students here this morning. It is a noble thing to have good intentions. It's a great thing to intend to do the right thing, to desire uh, to be faithful to Christ, to want to do uh, the right things. But noble good intentions alone aren't enough. Everyone wants to do well, but there's a price that must be paid to finish the tower that we're looking at today. So he says, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first and counteth the cost. Whether he have sufficient to finish it, lest happily after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. And you can be seated. Look back up at verse 28, and it reminds us that we need to count the cost. There is certainly a cost to discipleship. Now, thank the Lord, there's no cost for salvation. That's a free gift of eternal life for you and I and yet it cost our heavenly father his only begotten son it cost the lord jesus uh, his life and yet uh, it's free to us and yet the fact is it does cost us something uh, to be a true disciple and the fact that it does cost us is one more reason there are a lot less disciples than there are casual followers of christ the fact is we don't mind hanging around as long as it doesn't consume too much of our time, as long as it doesn't take too much of our effort, as long as it doesn't require too much of our energy or cost too much of our finances. In fact, in every church in America, the Sunday morning crowd is the largest crowd, uh, while the group that gathers to get the job done and to get the gospel out and actually uh, to let God use them to build the church is the smallest group. And that's one of the challenges of ministry. That's one of the challenges of pastoring is, is to get that, the, the crowd of, of attenders and observers and, and folks that have good intentions and folks that are saved and good people, but getting them to transition into a life of committed discipleship like we see from the Lord Jesus here. In fact, the Bible says here in the passage, the builder has to take inventory of all of his resources, his material even personnel to make sure that he has what it takes to finish what he starts. And by the way, there is a price that has to be paid uh, for a ministry like this, a price that Dr. Chapel has paid through the years, a price that deacons and, and members and staff have paid. I was thinking about our place 17 years ago. Uh, we began with eight senior adults And now last Sunday we had right around 900 in attendance, and folks were saved and baptized, and we have a a great Christian school, we have a Spanish ministry, much like you do here, a Korean ministry, much like you do here. And I look back at the wonderful people, some who've been with us that whole 17 years, who've paid a price for buildings to be built, for land to be purchased, and it always, there is a price to be paid. Now, thankfully for you and I, it's not all about our own research sources we, that we need to have to finish the job. I'm thankful. Philippians 1, 6 says, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. But look back at uh, Luke chapter 14, look back at verse 28, and here's the message for this morning. Jesus' lesson from this passage is that real disciples will finish Well, they'll finish what they start. Notice three different times Jesus makes it a point to mention the importance of finishing the tower. Look at verse 28. He says, Whether he have sufficient to finish it. In verse 29, is not able to to finish it. And then in verse 30, was not able to finish. And it is important to the Lord that the disciple finishes what he starts or lives a lifetime as a disciple. True disciples don't start and stop. Uh, True disciples aren't hit and miss. True disciples aren't off again, on again. There is consistency and longevity when it comes to being a true disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to give us this morning just some quick lessons on how to finish Uh, what we start, how to finish well in the Christian life. Number one is this, in fact, take your Bibles and turn to Ecclesiastes chapter seven, Ecclesiastes chapter seven. And the first lesson is this, it's more important how we finish than it is how we start. It's more important for the disciple how we finish than it is how we start. In college, more people start out every year in the freshman class than will actually receive their diploma four years later, and that's universal. That's just across the board everywhere you go. And so we applaud those who start out on the journey, but even more those who finish well. Look what Ecclesiastes 7, 8 says, Better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. And the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. By the way, uh, people that have a problem with pride have a hard time finishing. Uh, They have a hard time sticking with it because oftentimes they'll chase rabbit trails looking for instant ego gratification while the patient in spirit is willing to patiently stay with it and stick with it and finish what they've started. Lots of people start out well only to pull up short of the finish line. And Solomon said, the wisest man to ever live, said the end is better than the beginning. Now, he did not say the beginning isn't important. It is important how you begin. It is important that you get off to a good start. It is important that you get off to a good start in life and in ministry and in your marriage and your family life and in your career. But to still be standing and to still be healthy and to still be serving God at the finish line is far better according to the word of God. Now, I wanna say this, every marriage starts out well for the most part. Uh, You're in love, uh, there's uh, romance, but less than half finish well. Our oldest son, Andrew, who just turned 30, has been on our staff for 10 years after graduating Bible college and is married and served with us, have three beautiful little girls. It's amazing how many of his peers started out in the ministry when he did, but aren't in ministry anymore. It's amazing how many of his peers started out in marriage about the same time he did and yet aren't married anymore. And I'm just saying this to finish well, it's going to take effort. It's going to take patience. It's going to take the grace of God uh, to finish what God has led you to start in this place and in his calling into ministry. Hey, if you've gotten off to a rocky start, don't despair because God can help you. He can enable you. He can equip you and help you to finish well. And that is better. If you've gotten off to a great start, uh, don't let your guard down. Don't let pride enter in. Uh, just uh, just uh, determine to finish well. And so the first thing I want to say this morning is it is better how we finish Than how we start. I'd say starting well is not important, it absolutely is, but finishing, uh, if you finish well what you've started well, it simply deter, it simply uh, reflects the fact that you didn't fall out somewhere along the way. It means you didn't fall away from God somewhere along the way. You didn't fall off into sin somewhere along the way. And then, secondly, I want to say this morning that we have great examples in life and in God's Word of finishing well, and of men and women who finished well, and we should certainly learn from each of them. I'm thinking about the Apostle Paul. Oh, he started a lot of things. He started 3 missionary journeys with different uh, folks with Barnabas and then Silas and and we know about John Mark's uh, difficulties and so uh, Paul started a lot. He started many churches along the way. Probably the preeminent uh, missionary evangelist church planter of of history. And yet as much as he started, he was a finisher. He was a finisher. In fact, take your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 20 and look at verse 24. You, you have a basketball tournament starting tonight and tomorrow. And one of the greatest compliments you can give to a basketball player is that he is a finisher. He can finish Uh, Not just that he dribbles well, not just that he looks good on the court, but that he can finish at the rim and put the basket in the hoop. By the way, that's the whole idea of it all is to finish. And so Paul was a finisher. Paul finished well in spite of adversity. Paul finished well in spite of opposition. His desire was to finish his course with joy. Look at verse 24 of Acts 20. But none of these things move me. What was Paul talking about? He was just getting done listing all of the difficulties, all of the opposition, all the people that turned on him and that hindered him and that were adversaries that God used or that the devil uh, used to try to stop him. But he said, none of these things are gonna stop me. None of these things are gonna take me out of the race. He said, neither count I my life dear unto myself so that I might finish my course With joy. And the ministry. I want you to think about this. And the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus. I want to say this, that what you've embarked on is not just a life choice, it's not just a career, it is a ministry, a life that God has called you to, and Paul said, oh, I want to be around decades from now, finishing my course, and I want to do it with joy. I don't just want to be standing at the end, I want to have served with joy, and I want to have served with others, and have have passed that joy on uh, to the lighthouse. Baptist Church, and those that we served with to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Boy, Paul wanted to finish. He desired to finish well. He made it a, 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 an important thing in his life for the disciple. Longevity ought to be our goal. Finishing well ought to be our desire. And by God's grace, Paul accomplished what he set out to do. Now in Acts twenty twenty four. He said, I want to finish well. Years later, he wrote his epistle, his letter to Timothy. Look at 2 Timothy chapter four and verses six and seven. 2 Timothy chapter four and verses six and seven. In Acts 20, 24, he was looking forward. He was saying, boy, I wanna finish this thing. I wanna finish this ministry well and with joy that God has called me to. In Acts, in Second Timothy chapter four, boy, he sees the end is right in front of him. And in many ways, he's looking back. He's looking back over what God has done. Look what he said in verse six, for I am now ready to be offered. And the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I want you to notice the difference in in the vocabulary he uses. In Acts 20, 24, he said, I want to, I desire to, I want to continue this thing. In Second Timothy chapter 4, he said, I have, I'm, I've come to the end and it's done, it's over, and I have uh, finished, or I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. And so Paul was such a great example for every one of us of finishing his course and all the obstacles, all the opposition, all the adversity, he finished it with joy all the way through and you and I can serve the Lord with joy. Hey, I've learned this from pastoring now for 17 years that uh, people want to be around a preacher that has joy. And uh, people want to be around a ministry uh, where other people have joy and they're enjoying serving the Lord with gladness and they're coming before his presence with singing. And so Paul was a great example. Look at Hebrews chapter 12. In fact, keep your spot in 2 Timothy because we're going to come back to that. But look at Hebrews chapter 12, if you would. Hebrews chapter 12, look at verse 2. Not only was Paul a finisher... But our Savior, the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, set the example for us when he finished well. By the way, if he had not finished well, none of us would be here today. If he had not finished well, uh, there's no telling where we'd be, but we wouldn't be saved. We wouldn't be looking forward to heaven. We wouldn't be serving him. And I'm glad he was a finisher. Look at verse 2 of Hebrews 12. It says, looking unto Jesus... By the way, if you're going to finish well and if I'm going to finish well, we better keep our eyes upon Jesus. We ought to turn our eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face and keep our eyes on him. Hey, when others are straying, when others are getting off track, let's keep our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. I like that. I like the fact that he is the author. He's the originator. He was around in the beginning God. And uh, and he was there in the beginning. Uh, he did begin. And if you and I never begin some things, we'll never be able to finish some things. So we need folks. and Otherwise, I'm not minimizing this morning. I've said it several times. I'm not minimizing the need to start things. I'm not minimizing the fact that sometimes God moves people. God moved us from an associate pastor role in Southern California to a pastor starting a church role in Mobile, Alabama. And, and so we need to start some things or we'll never be able to finish well. And so Jesus was the author... And And the finisher. I love the fact that he's the Alpha or the first letter of the Greek alphabet, but thank God he's also the Omega. Uh, Thank God he's the author, but also the finisher of our faith. Now, folks, we wouldn't have a faith. We wouldn't have a faith to contend for. We wouldn't have a faith to stand upon or to rest in if he had dragged up somewhere along the way. If he had, uh, there would be no salvation if he'd quit from discouragement or strayed in disillusionment or fallen in self-indulgence and sin. He is the ultimate finisher. He finished, think about this, carrying the burden of all mankind through his 33 years of life. And he carried and finished carrying that burden through the garden of Gethsemane where he sweat great drops of blood and, and he agonized, Lord, I want your will uh, to be done. Nevertheless, not my will, uh, but yours. And he finished, and he finished carrying his cross all the way down the Via Dolorosa, the way of suffering. And we have many examples In God's Word, the Apostle Paul, the Lord Jesus Christ, others. We've got good examples in this life of people who are finishing well. Many of you have parents and pastors who are finishing well. There have been great examples around this place and this ministry for decades of folks who have finished well. And then here's what I want to say lastly. First of all, it's more important how we finish Than how we start more important, not that starting is less important. It's just, it's just more important to be around at the end. It's more important to be thriving and engaged and joyful and serving at the end. Uh, And then secondly, I said, there are many examples in God's word that we ought to draw encouragement from that. We ought to draw uh, just uh, courage from the fact that Paul uh, experienced adversity like nobody. The Lord Jesus experienced what he did and yet they finished. And then lastly, I wanna say this, there are crowns to be given to the finishers. There are crowns to be given to the finishers. Obviously, prizes aren't handed out at the halfway point. Amen. Uh, we don't have a halfway checkpoint and say, okay, let's, let's give out the awards for those who have doing great so far. Uh, they're given out at the finish line. Uh, they don't have the halfway winner award. There are no participation trophies given out at the judgment seat of Christ because you made it halfway before giving up and falling out. In fact, Jesus said in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10, he said, be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. Paul said in 1 Corinthians nine twenty four. he said, know ye not that they which run in a race run all... But one receiveth the prize, and that's the winner at the finish, at the end. He said, so run that ye may obtain. We just looked at, and I asked you to keep your spot. Go back to Second Timothy chapter 4 and verses 6 and 7. And we heard the apostle Paul testify about the fact in Acts twenty twenty four he wanted to finish his course with joy. And now we see him as an old preacher looking back, saying, I've made it, I've finished. Look what he said. Let's read verse six and seven again. He said, for I, now, I am now ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Okay, Paul, good for you. What, what, what do you get because of that? Look at verse eight. Henceforth, that word henceforth simply means because I did because I did finish my course, because I did fight that good fight, Uh, because I have kept the faith all the way through to the finish line, because I've done all of those things, henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, don't you love that? Uh, he won't make any mistakes when it comes down to accounting time. Uh, He keeps perfect record. He sees everything. It will all be included. Hey, you don't have to wonder about if somebody saw you or if somebody knows about what you've done or if somebody, you you could be serving faithfully and finishing well in some remote area and nobody knows it. But I want to tell you, the righteous judge knows exactly uh, where you are and what you're doing and how you're finishing. And henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge shall give me at that day. And not to me only. Paul said, this is not exclusive to me. This is not just me that qualifies for this, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Oh, there are crowns to be won at the finish line for those disciples who count the cost And finish well. And, uh, you know, it'll be a singular moment. When we take those crowns, those crowns aren't to put on our mantel place at our mansions that he's prepared for us. Uh, Those crowns are gonna be, we're gonna take them and we're gonna have the honor and the privilege to bow before him and to cast those crowns at the only one who's worthy to receive glory and honor. And we're gonna throw those crowns at his feet. But even sweeter than that, will be to hear the words in Matthew twenty five twenty three, and uh, You don't have to turn there. He said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. I don't have time to go back and develop the context of that uh, parable, but we do know two of the servants finished well. Uh, Two of the servants uh, finished well. By the way, they didn't finish in the exact same way. Uh, One finished with more talents than the other. But for both of them, they received the exact same commendation. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Someone said, if we're going to hear those words, well done, then we have to have done well. That's college level stuff right there. Uh, If you're going to hear God say to you, well done, uh, we're going to have to have done something well along the course of our ministry life, serving him, finishing uh, this life for the glory of God. The older I get, I want to close with this. The older I get, the more I realize it's not about what God has done in our ministry or through us or used us to do up to this point. And I thank God for all that we've been able to experience. And uh, thank God for others that God is blessing. Uh, Brother Weaver and I were talking on the way over uh, just how, how many places God is doing wonderful works. And, and how it's just neat to be able to rejoice together with others who are serving God. And, uh, but I'm realizing more so the older I get, more important than that, than what's happened up to this point, It's about how we finish from this point on. It's about making sure that we finish well. It's about making sure that I finish well, that I keep myself close to Christ and spiritually healthy and and on the right track and and making sure that that, that, uh, we lift up the Lord Jesus Christ. It's making sure that as a church, we finish well. And that's important to me. Oh, we desire and we're making, uh, we're putting a lot of effort into laying such a a good, strong foundation with staff and leaders and and church folks that uh, that one day we can leave behind a good, healthy, strong church that will go on reaching the world with the gospel long after uh, we have left and uh, left this life even. I desire to leave a clear path. And a good example, I know this is not on your radar as much right now, but when you get to be my age and you think of your children, uh, all three of which are serving in our ministry, and, and uh, our oldest has three uh, children, and so we have grandchildren that we're thinking about, and I know at your age that seems like such a long ways off. But choices and decisions that you're making right now are going to set the stage for you to be at that point. One day where you're looking and seeing the, the, your, your children serving the Lord and, and thinking about leaving a, a clear heritage for them to follow, a great example for them to follow. And I just want to encourage you who are at the very beginning of your race. The Apostle Paul talked about being at the end of his uh, most of your leaders and pastors and parents, you know, we're somewhere in the middle of ours and, and looking forward and thinking more about uh, how we're gonna finish our race. You're here just at the beginning and you have every good intention or you wouldn't be here and you've counted the cost or you wouldn't have surrendered uh, to go into full-time service and go to Bible college. So you, you, you've made all the right choices and you're on the right track. But I want to say this, I want to encourage you to realize real disciples don't just start well, but real disciples finish well. They count the cost. They're willing to pay the price. And by the way, at some point along your, your college journey, there'll be a price that has to be paid. And oh, ask God to give you the grace uh, to do it and to stay faithful and then finish the course that God has given you. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we, we thank you. We love you. Lord, and I think to a person this morning, we want to finish the unique course that you've given us. Lord, we want to finish it well. Father, we want to, uh, we want to please thee and the way that we finish. Lord, we want to continue to look to the Lord Jesus and keep our eyes on him as as the ultimate example of finishing well. But Lord, as we are encouraged by Paul and encouraged by our church leaders and parents and pastors and folks in this place, leadership in this place who are finishing well, Lord, encourage us. And Lord, just remind us how much more important it is the way we finish than only the way we begin. And then, Lord, help us to remember the crowns, the, the, uh, the results of finishing well. And, Lord, may each of us determine in our heart that by the grace of God, we're going to finish well as a good disciple